Great to be back, Rob, here again. I look forward to what you have to say to us today. I um, We were just talking off air a little bit about one of the things that, that came into my mind at the end of the last episode was, uh, you know, you spoke about the derived behaviors or things that, that children have to do and the, the things that they really want to do and the things they really actually are passionate about and helping them in the things that they're passionate about. But I also wanted to just sort of prod you a little bit around, uh, you know, what about the things that the world basically just says you have to do or, you know, these are the things that are going to have to happen. You've got to be at school. You have to do certain things in your life uh, that the child really hates. That's true. Um, And there is a lot of that. I have a child who would be in that space. And as a dad, um, I often have to think about ways of parenting him there. So I guess, I guess for me though, um, it's unlikely to elicit anxiety in my son. So the fact that he has to go to school and school is not first prize for him at all, that's not a context that he's actually anxious about. He gets down about it, which is a different kind of emotion. And we will talk about uh, feeling down and depressed um, uh, soon. Um, but anxiety, not so much. Although I'll tell you where the anxiety can easily come in. And that's when I start to give him the idea that he should feel differently about school for my sake. That it's an expectation that I have or that he's disappointing me. That somehow now, you know, I'm not happy with him. Or that I wish he was different. Or I wish he was like his brother or his sister, both of whom did pretty well at school you know so that would elicit anxiety so again if I saw it if I saw that he was getting tense if I saw that he was showing the symptoms of anxiety that we've described and I asked him you know what are you afraid of again we go into that sort of tender territory he might say well dad I'm afraid of you (laughs) I'm afraid that this is that you will be disappointed in me And if he were to say that, I'll be honest with you, both he and I would start to be in tears because that would be the last thing I'd I'd want. And I know that if he felt that way, he'd be devastated. So again, it gives my son and I a base for restored action, new motivations. And I can start to say to him things around, but you know, it's not about that, this school thing. I can't wait for it to be over for you. I'm really looking for survival strategies. I'm looking for let's get it done strategies. Let's not make it a a huge obstacle in your life. So we start to look at it, I think, with cleaner hearts, uh, better prepared minds. We can find better goals, the two of us. And at least one of the byproducts of that is that as he does the things he has to do, he and I are in a better place. He feels good about, about his space at home which I think is no small thing. So what I'm hearing from you, which is awesome, is uh, is you've made peace with, uh, you know, is it not often the parent's anxiety that the child, you know, does what what makes sense, you know, to them, to how they see the world and to how the world sort of pushes out what normal looks like and and actually becoming more, centered and calm and accepting that actually the world isn't always right well often it isn't right uh, and actually being able to see that and to to exist in that is is what you kind of are saying that's right Stu and I mean look um, as a dad 
it is kind of my job to get to help my son be ready for the world and the world is as it is the world can be an unforgiving place the world does have expectations um, as a loving dad I worry about each of my children I worry about their engagement with the world out there and I'm not going to stop worrying about it again though it's an act of love uh, on, on my behalf towards my children for me to get out that piece of paper and that pen and work out what am I afraid of at least get a handle on my fears so that I don't unwittingly unconsciously pass them on to my kids because my anxieties can very easily become pressure on them um, anger at them and that's what they see they don't see that I'm worried they see they see me as angry or disappointed or unhappy with who they are so the translation of it is is actually way off and that's the part that we have to watch and so again to come back to that thing of dealing with our fears and our anxieties uh, that maybe we're not even aware of is really the starting point here yeah if we can't go there ourselves if we haven't at least got used to doing that not that we're going to get it perfect as we've said before but if we're in that practice we can pass it on to our kids we know what it feels like to get a grip on anxiety to map it out to learn how to set our feet to get some sort of solid base so that we can go forward better so i'm worried about my son what am i going to do have i mapped my fears out now what concrete creative steps can i take back to our children i mean we're wanting to help them in this regard so i suppose really um, again i said in the last episode let's work out first up if our child wants the goal or not and uh, who are they doing it for and to be honest, there's lots of kids who want to do well for themselves. It's just that they worry. They have all kinds of, of fantasy fears of what could go wrong. So what we want to do, if it's a valued goal, if it's a good goal, a healthy goal, then we want to help them move towards that in the face of fear. Remember I said when it comes to anxiety, it doesn't let up. So if our child is a keen swimmer and there's a gala, but galas make him anxious or her anxious, they're likely to still be anxious when they step up onto, you know, that that diving board or whatever you call it. What do you call it? <laughs> that little starting block. Thank you, Stu. When they step up onto that starting block, they, uh, they you know, they might feel anxious. Uh, but do the, what are they saying to themselves in their minds? So one of the things we could do would be, now that we know, okay, so when anxiety says to you, some kind of horrible demotivating shredding statement you know if you lose you're you're worthless you know if you lose then mum and dad will be disappointed then we want to you you to say to, you say to yourself this phrase some kind of empowering phrase so as they dive into the water they orientated mind body and soul to do the thing that they want to do and to swim for good reasons things that we can celebrate after the gala is done so we help them to orientate in that consciously chosen way in towards goals that we've actually helped them map out for themselves rob i'm sorry to get very practical and specific but i mean can you give an example or, or a couple of examples of um of good goals you know maybe not just with a swimming gala or something but i mean what would you orientate the child towards so t typical things will be either performance or social. Those will be typical anxiety-inducing areas for children. 
Um, very often at the moment, I'm talking to folk who care a lot about their work, but they do have that never enough feeling. And so it could be, I'd say to the, the girl, look, when worry says to you at night, you have to work a bit harder. You can say, I've done what I'd planned to do today. And now I need to sleep. Or if it's during the day, I need to exercise or I need to connect with my friends. So it's about having this sort of finding your balance or finding your creativity in that moment to do what is what is good. Um, I so often have to talk to uh, young people about the value of good rest, the value of recharging their batteries so that they can perform well. That would be a typical example. Social anxiety is obviously common as well. So it could be that a person is, um, let's say it's in an online space because of COVID. Um, when my friend Blue ticks me and Worry says he doesn't like you anymore, I will remember that he and I have been friends since primary school and we will still stay friends and I know that I'm going to see him next weekend. That type of thing. So, And then furthermore, what is that child going to do with the rest of his day? Because we want to say to him, don't stay in your room and lie on your bed because that worry's got you. Get out of the room. Come into the, into, into the living area. Come and sit with us. Come and talk with us. You know, engage with us. Or get out. Do these things. And we go as concrete as we like. So it's the, the, the idea of when I feel that tension in the gut, I will do this. Instead of going right, which anxiety always wants me to go, that direction, I'm going to go left. I'm going to stay creative. I'm going to stay brave in this moment. And so it becomes this idea of we are what we repeatedly do, which I think is an Aristotle term, this idea of those regular practices in the face of that feeling. Um, so for me, that's a really amazing accomplishment, and it can actually look pretty ordinary, but for that child, well, gee, I think it's time to celebrate. I've always been amazed at the simplicity of my parents' faith and uh, how that has helped them in times when they have felt anxious, no doubt, and their ability to to speak some of those simplicities over their lives, that this is more than about them and about what it is that the world's um, pushing towards them. I wonder what you think about that, Rob. You know, absolutely. And oftentimes those so-called simplicities are packed with all kinds of deep meaning. So they're in a way symbolic or they represent something very powerful, very very true with a lot of depth to it. Um, I'm all for simple, short statements that represent a lot. You know, so absolutely verses, scriptures, um, short, pithy statements that a person can say to himself, to herself in the heat of the moment or to remember. I think that that's very powerful. So maybe then just to say that this is a time for us um, over this time of COVID. It always has been important, but especially now it is a time for us, whether it's to sit around a table or to meet with our kids in their rooms or just to watch and see where they are in terms of anxiety and to help them to map it out in these ways and to move them towards um, healthy, good ways of thinking and acting, those concrete steps. Um, again, it's worth its weight in gold, these types of, of exchanges between ourselves and our kids. And, you know, I sometimes think that um, once our children are adults and um, they think of us, 
Maybe they're in a different part of the world and they don't see us all that often. Um, but when, when we are in their minds, do they feel good or do they feel anxious or negative? You know? And I think that the key often is that we as parents have, have been able to walk with them in these ways, that they're able to be their true selves with us, that they know that we are interested in and want to understand where they truly are at so that we can help them to get to where they want to get to. And I think that that's, it's that kind of powerful combination that we can, we can do, especially in a time like this, when there's so much disorientation, so much that isn't as it once was, helping kids to map out where they're at so that we can help them move towards goals and values that, that matter to, to us and to them that will be good for them, um, especially now. So I think, Rob, what, what to sum it up for me is to talk about honesty and transparency and vulnerability, both in ourselves and trying to understand our children and who they really are and what's really going on underneath there and what's really driving them and helping them, as you say, to map that out. Uh, what a wonderful gift that could be for us and for our, own, for our children as well. Thanks, Rob.